0: Now, Wagner, on the other hand, it's the opposite case. He dominated from start to finish. And you take a look at these modern era, or live ball era, rather, rankings in terms of where he stacks up for his career. Only Mario Rivera ahead of him in ERA and OPS, the lowest batting average by a wide, wide margin. Like, almost 20 points here, guys, in terms of the opponent's average in the live ball era. So 187 for his whole career. And how about how he finished up here, his last three seasons? pretty much the opposite of K-Rod. He was still dominating down the stretch here. And you think about how his career ended, guys. He walked away on a high note. He certainly would have had plenty of offers, a 143 ERA in his age 38 season. But he decided that he wanted to spend more time with his family, retire before the game caught up with him, go out on his own terms. So take a look at through age 38, his most relevant contemporaries here. The numbers really aren't that far off. Are we really going to say Trevor Hoffman was that much better than Billy Wagner because he put up a 3.53 ERA and an extra 200 innings late in his career? To me, the Hall of Fame case for Trevor Hoffman was basically made by the time he was in his late 30s. He just ended up compiling a few more seasons beyond Wagner. Now, the one downfall for Wagner, and I can hear Russo, Mad Dog, saying it right now. He never got a big out in his life. He didn't have many opportunities, but it is hard to make sense of these numbers in the postseason. When you're a reliever, you don't have much margin for error. And in the biggest spots, Wagner, unfortunately, did struggle. But to me, he's across that Hall of Fame line. Guys, he's tracking at 79% right now, so it looks pretty good for him. K-Rod, on the other hand, just 7%. I got to tell you what, Keith, great job with that. And Billy Wagner's Hall of Famer, right? Oh, yeah. To me, the interesting thing about Billy Wagner, he was a starter. He was like the first guy that – it was a fight between – well, he's got to start. You've got to start. Remember how baseball is so adamant yeah. about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, and right. it was almost like a demotion for him to go to the pen. Then he dominated so much. Oh, it's the right move. Yeah. So, yeah, he's Hall of Fame.
2: All right, we're back. Uh, you heard a little clip from MLB Network about Billy Wagner. He'll be part of the conversation as we get into the Hall of Fame ballot. I give you who I would select. I'll tell you why I left off certain individuals. I'll predict what we'll see this Tuesday as the Hall of Fame will announce its 2024 candidates this Tuesday. I think it comes around, what, 6 or 7 p.m. on Tuesday, January 23rd. And, of course, looking back at the careers of David Wright and Jose Reyes, why today for that? Well, they're on the ballot for the first time and and probably the last, I mean, when you really uh, think about it. So, um, you know we'll see where that goes. So let's start with Wright and Reyes. So he, here's where I feel: um, Wright and Reyes are probably going to fall off the, the ballot pretty quickly. I think Wright may have a shot to hit the five percent threshold, he's slightly above that right now. If you're not following, uh, uh, you know, the public ballot, and let me make sure I get his Twitter handle uh, correct because every year it's Ryan Thibodeau on uh you know not mr at not mr tibbs on uh x so he he you know he collects all these public ballots he's got almost a shade under 50 percent of the bbwaa members who have revealed their ballots he's he has them up there so you get a feel of where this is going and if you trend a certain way on the public ballots the other 50 percent, you always kind of drop down like so wherever these guys are now they're going to drop down you know todd elton's at 83 percent almost Joe Mauer at eighty four percent. They're not going to finish there. They're going to be lower. How much lower we'll see, but they're going to be lower. So, you know, with David Wright, as of now. So I'm coming to you on you know Sunday afternoon. Is about seven percent. That's pretty close to five. I feel he'll fall below. Jose Reyes has not got a single vote. Just like James Shields uh, to this point. Adrian Gonzalez not a single vote. I mean Bartolo Colon got a vote. Matt Holiday got a vote. Victor Martinez got a vote. Jose Bautista got a couple of votes. Jose Reyes, nothing. So Jose Reyes is getting nothing. Probably some of that has to do with the off the field and the domestic violence. Um, I think he might get a vote here or there. It's kind of tough to see. But I I think Reyes for sure will be off. Right? Pretty good chance. And when you look at their careers, I mean, here's the, the crazy part. You know, the Mets since their inception. I mean... They are such a what-if organization. I mean, think about that. What if Whitey Herzog... What if Gil Hodges didn't die and have a heart attack? What would have happened in 1973? Would the Mets have, you know, potentially won another championship or been a different team with Gil at the helm? Whitey Herzog got passed over as the manager when Gil uh, passed away. What if Whitey had stayed around? Because he was a big part... In building up that form system and not go to Kansas City. Because look at all the success white had with the Royals and with the Cardinals to be a Hall of Famer in his own right. You know, what if? What if they didn't trade Nolan Ryan? What that rotation could look with Seaver and Ryan and Matlock and Kuzman. And, you know, what did that mean for Seaver if they had kept Seaver after seventy seven? Uh, you know, what maybe the Mets would have rebounded quicker, you know, you don't know. And then of course there's all those what ifs of the eighties. What if Mike Socia didn't hit that home run? You know, what if Doc didn't get suspended for drugs or Terry Pendleton did a home run? You know, how close were the Mets to a three-peat in the 80s? And what if Generation K? And what if, you know, the 1999 NLCS Game 6 of a couple of balls bounced the right way and the Mets got to Game 7? What if? What if Timo Perez ran it out in Game 1 in 2000? What if in 2006, you know, that at-bat with Beltron went a different way? You know, what if? You know, what if in 2015, if not for the Alex Gordon home run and the quick pitch by Familia and the throw, the bad throw by Duda? You know, what if? You know, you could go on and on. What if in 2022, you know, if you want to throw something out there? What if, what if, what if? I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on here. You guys know it as Mets fans. But Wright and Reyes kind of summarize that what if. Because if you look at their 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008 seasons, And I was there, I watched it, I was there watching him all the time, every night. I mean, young adult, working man, but, you know, still with that Peter Pan syndrome and, and that young look at sports. Like, I've changed a lot since then. You know, you're looking at 20 years later. You know, having been in this business, looking behind the curtain, understanding the game more, maturing as an adult, you look at everything differently. But there you are, you know, you're looking at it, total fanboy way of looking at it. And at that point, I made some statements, especially because a few years later, towards the end of that, I started the NYBB website. I started on WGBB in 2007, in April of 2007. And I said, you know, Reyes and Wright could be the next Jeter and A-Rod. You know, maybe not exactly in terms of numbers, but could be. And to this day, I get some mocking on Facebook from people who are around or Yankees fans. And look, at that point, if you took his first, you know, his age 22 to 25 seasons, Reyes is better in terms of win shares. and total, win shares is a great way on baseball reference to look at a player's total body of work because everybody's being measured the same way. You may not agree with what they value within war. Maybe this is should be more than that, but everybody is measured the same way. So a great player should be a great player should be a great player. I mean, Reyes is every bit the win shares of a trade turner or Carlos Correa. He's better than Jimmy Rollins, who would win an MVP during that time. He's better than Hall of Famers like Ernie Banks and Barry Larkin and Ozzie Smith. I mean, remember, Barry Larkin emerged much later in his career. Reyes with, you know, speed. He was learning a little bit of uh, plate discipline at one point. He see, You know, maybe he wasn't the, the best uh, defensive shortstop in terms of range, but he had a great arm. A lot of his issues defensively were focused. That's why they had Jose Valentin come in. You know, there's a lot of reasons there. But during that period, he was a Hall of Famer. Now, leg injuries got to him after that. And, you know, you know what happened. You know, he won a batting title, but he never was the same after those, that 2009, 2010, those hamstring injuries that he just couldn't get over. He had them early in his career and it seemed like they solved it. But I think that because he, he became less of a runner, he was more careful. Stealing 70 plus bases takes its toll on you. It bangs you up. I mean, think about it. I look at, you know, I'm a big Knicks fan. You guys know that. I watch the Knicks, Jalen Brunson. And I look at how much he gets banged up there. Every time he goes to the hoop, and I'm thinking to myself, that's like a a guy stealing bases. Eventually, that's a a lot of miles that's going to go on that body. That body's going to break down. You know, that's what happened to Reyes, but it happened a little bit too soon. Uh, And then, of course, there's the domestic violence uh, charges later in his career when he came back to the Mets and he played third and he was, you know, a shell of his former self. He was, you know, a component player at that point. That hurts him. So I think Reyes will never be in this, because everybody loves, a lot of his fans loved Reyes more than Wright. He was, you know, this Energizer bunny. The kids love Jose, 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 Jose. They used to sing and all that stuff. Now, Wright, he's an ultimate sports great tragedy because he's he is not a Hall of Famer. But, you know, if I had told you, Adrian Beltre is going to make the Hall of Fame. He's going to make it. I mean, and he deserves it. I mean, he should be anonymous, but he's not going to be. Uh, if I told you back in 2007 or 2008, one of Beltre and Wright will make the Hall of Fame, out of 10 baseball writers, how many would say Beltre? None. But that's where you're at. During the same period, same years, same years you watch, age 22 to 25, these guys came up together. Wright was fifth all-time and wins above replacement. He was Eddie Matthews, basically, at third base. He was headed to be maybe one of the best third basemen of all time. This exceeded the production of guys like Chipper Jones and Brooks Robinson and Wade Boggs and Scott Rowland and Mike Schmidt. Then the back injury happened and City Field changed changed directions from Shea Stadium. And Matt Cain hit him in the head and all changed. Now you could say to yourself, well, maybe he could have still cobbled together if he had not. And I think this is a fair point. If that stenosis didn't creep up in 2015, which might have been inevitable after the back injury in 2011, the, you know, the, the the stress fracture in the back. Could he have put together a Scott Rowland career and snuck in? I think so. But once 2015 happened and he barely played and then he basically was done the next year, you needed at least three more years, I think. And he had some potholes in the years prior. You know, 09, 12, I think was a bad year. 11 or 12 was a bad year. We had OPS on the 700. He was really bad. I mean, obviously the back was bothering him. His, his health deteriorated. And he tried for a couple of years, probably because of money. Uh, I think that's the biggest part, but to, to get back. But David Wright was on pace to become one of the best third basemen of all time. I think he was slightly overrated as a a defensive player, but he won a gold glove. He was 30-30. I mean, 2007 down the stretch, he was awesome. He got criticized, wrongfully so, for the two collapses, both of these guys, when those collapses, everything to do, with roster mismanagement, lack of depth, going back to not having I mean, awful drafts, awful player development. I mean, to- I mean, you could go back and do a whole show on this. I'm not gonna do this today. It wasn't Wright and Reyes. I mean, Wright was big down the stretch in two thousand and seven. He got that label. You know, he got the label where he's not clutch. To the point where, you know, it was it was it probably would have been a big debate if we were, you know, doing this show and it was two thousand and seven. So they both go down as a Greek tragedy. They go down as great Mets. I think Reyes will always be, for the rest of his career, arm's length with the fans because of the off-the-field issues. I think Wright will get his day soon. You know, Doc and Darryl, I mean, there's so much we could talk about today. We haven't even gotten to Doc and Darryl and that numbers retirement ceremony. We'll get to that at some point. I have to figure out how to worm that in. Wright will get his day. You could probably say he's the best positional player in Mets history. Uh, maybe Beltron is the best overall player, but I mean the guy, you know, as far as homegrown and everything that goes with it. I mean, this is an organization that for a long time, until Dallas Strawberry came around, Ed Cranepool was like the, the cream of the crop in terms of positional players, and, and Ed was a part-time player for a big part of his career. I mean, Strawberry, we all know, we know that career got cut short. That's a great tragedy in a lot of ways. Doc too. I mean, the Mets have had a little bit of that, right and raised for different reasons. So, you know, that's kind of where you're at with Wright and Reyes. Now, let's get to the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm going to tell you off the bat who I'm not voting for, and I'll briefly go. Now, if you're a subscriber to Beyond the Mic and and, and a paid subscriber, you're going to be able to dive much deeper into this stuff at Beyond the Mic. So we're kind of meeting these two together a little bit. But I think this is more going to be a top-line review and, you know, something to give you a lot of mental bubblegum about. So I am not voting for the following players. Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, Billy Wagner, Andrew Jones, Bartolo Colon, Andy Pettit, the trio of Abreu Utley and Rollins, the Philadelphia trio I called them, Omar Vizquel, Matt Holliday. I'll get into those guys in a minute. I'll get into detail. I'm not going to get into detail with guys like Torrey Hunter and Brandon Phillips and James Shields and K-Rod and Burley and Jose Bautista, Adrian Gonzalez and Victor Martinez. Like, there's no reason to, there's no pathway to justify a whole, I mean, maybe Gonzalez had a period where he was an elite Hall of Fame player, maybe K-Rod, but everybody else, it's it's ridiculous at this point. Um, my ballot of yeses are A-Rod, Sheffield, Beltron. Manny Ramirez, Adrian Beltre. So with five on the ballot. We go up to ten. Five on the ballot. Okay, and then I'll predict who's going to be. So here's the deal. Um, you know, I'm going to start with Helton and Maurer, who are going to get in. I mean, they're over 80% now in the public ballot. They're going to get in. Um, Helton is a really good player. Gold glove fielder. Overall, great body of work. But I always feel like Coors Field, even now with the humidor, just gives you such an advantage, the spacious outfield above sea level, all that stuff that you have to kind of grade on a curve with these guys. And Helton, I never saw play outside of cores. He always played his career with the Rockies. So that's not his fault, but I would have been interested to see like Larry Walker, who at least you started to see a case cause he was in Montreal before he was in St. Louis after then he had that big production in Colorado. Um, you know, his batting average on balls in play was nearly 350 as a Rocky at Coors Field. That's huge. That's out of worldly. That's otherworldly, not out of worldly. Otherworldly is the word. Out of worldly, otherworldly. Um, you know, he had an elite five year run where he had a 158 OPS plus right around the turn of the century. 2,500 hits and gold gloves are nothing to sneer at. You know, he gets 3,000 hits. Uh, you know, look, and I should have said this at the beginning. What I do look for is the benchmarks matter. A period of dominance matters. Precedent matters, but not always. I have to change a little bit on that, because if precedent matters, we're going to be letting a lot of Hall of Very Good in. Historic moments matter. I don't get into character and steroids. That's not my role. Ideally, I'd like a complete player on both sides of the ball, and I'd like to mix traditional stats with advanced metrics. So let me just get that out of the way. So I told you who I wouldn't vote for. I'm telling you now, and I'm going a little bit See, that's the difference between the, the, the writing and the, the radio. Like, this is conversational. So, uh, you know, Helton, to me, Coors knocks him out. He was very good on the road with an 850 OPS, but that's not a Hall of Famer. This is not the Hall of Very Good. Joe Mauer, I get, but I don't get. He was Johnny Bench or Gary Carter for the first five years of his career. I still remember debating Rob Nier at the old NYBD, and I had Nier on the show a few years ago. We laughed about it where I picked Teixeira as the MVP in 2009 over Mauer, Maurer was com- was the better player by far, more premium position, had a better season, but Teixeira was part of a Yankees team that was going to win the World Series, and that mattered to me in the MVP vote. If it was a best player vote, Maurer would win. If it was MVP, I I do a lot of other intangibles. But once he, you know, maybe you could say he was, until he was 30, he was an elite gold glove catcher in the mold of Bench and Carter. But once he had 30, he moved over to First base, he was a below league average defensive player. He had no power. I mean, he was not an impressive player at first base. And in a lot of ways, I feel like you're giving him a pass, whereas you didn't give Mattingly a pass for a short period of dominance. And in a lot of ways, that should tick the Mattingly fans off. And I didn't. I wouldn't vote for Mattingly. I don't think Mattingly is a Hall of Famer. What I would say for local fans of the Mets and Yankees is that with Helton and Mauer getting in. Mattingly and Keith Hernandez have hell of a lot better reasons. Will Clark has a hell of a lot better reason to be in the Hall of Fame on the Veterans Committee. Shoot, maybe John Olerud. I know Maurer's a catcher. It's different. But you know what I'm talking about. The, the period of dominance. Now let's get into another player that's probably going to get in. I don't think he's going to get in this year. But he's close. And that's Billy Wagner. And there's not a position that will water down the Hall of Fame more Than the closer position. I'm going to tell you that right now, they're going to letting Wagner in, just like you let Hoffman in, and to a certain degree, Lee Smith in is watering down the Hall of Fame. Saves are no different than your 1980s baseball card collection. There's way too much of it, and you know, supply and demand is way off. There's a ton of supply and not enough demand, and not enough quality demand, because at this point. I'm not subscribing to the old Bill James money ball. Anybody could close because it is true. Anybody could close, but closing still requires a special mindset. It doesn't require this diamond in the rough. No, not everybody could be the best third baseman or a top five, third baseman like David Wright takes a lot. A lot of people could be the tops and saves. You know, a lot, there's a lot of dominant relievers. I know that there's variability and they kind of get hurt and there's, you know, up and down and look, you heard in the clip coming in. I get it. Billy Wagner's numbers are outstanding. They're right up there with Marion Rivera. I mean, even down to the song. They all I had the same song. That was the that was the big controversy when Mike and the Mad Dog when Wagner came over here to the Mets on a free agent contract. They demanded that he change his song for Rivera. That was just dumb. But and, and the Mets version of, of Wagner was one that was about to blow out his elbow. So they didn't even get the best version of Wagner, and he was pretty darn good. Not Edwin Diaz 2022 good. But I would say before Diaz came to town, Wagner might be in the conversation with the vintage Jesse Orozco, vintage Randy Myers, vintage John Franco, right there, maybe better. And if you got the healthy version of Wagner, you know, lights out. And he was a big part of that 06 team. And when he went down with an injury in 08, I really believe if Wagner had stayed healthy and not blown out his elbow, the Mets would have made the playoffs in 08. Uh, was it Louis Ayella? you know, was the closer at that point. Nice little piece to acquire off, 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 you know, from Washington, but not you know, not not a closer. Not somebody you want making big outs on the ninth inning. And most importantly, look, you guys know he was, he was pretty much the reason why holman was in the game in extra innings because Willie was sketchy about Wagner. He was terrible in the postseason in 06. And his ERA for the postseason for his career was over 10. And that matters. And if you're going to keep the integrity of the Hall of Fame, you have to keep it to the elite. Rivera, Gossage, Eckersley, who revolutionized the modern closer. Uh, you can't start just letting everybody in who has really good numbers. I'm sorry, and I think this is one of the downfalls this closer debate of the modern voter because they're going to look at the, the the closer position. They're going to throw it, you know, throw these numbers, and these advanced analytics, and these batting average against the dominance. And you know what? Rivera, Gossage, Eckersley—that's the bar. And I don't think Billy Wagner reached that bar. Now, Andrew Jones, interesting case. You just put him in center field. He's top 10 and wins above replacement. Uh, Defensively, he's probably the best that I saw during that generation. I maybe put Carlos Beltran there with him before Beltran's knees started barking. Uh, You know, he had some moments later in his career, became a power hitter. He was more bloated, corner outfield DH after 30. I know Kirby Puckett profiles very similarly to Jones. I just don't think there was enough of a run here. I just don't think there was enough of a combination run. Uh, He's getting a ton of uh, support. I think he might make it in the next couple of years. not a horrible guy, but he's just like... I feel like he's more Jim Edmonds and Freddie Lynn who are left out than he is Hall of Famer. And, you know, Puckett has always been a debate because, you know, his short, you know, he kind of fizzled out after a short period of time and his career got cut short. Puckett has that historic moment in the playoffs. He has a couple of championships Big hits in a big spot. He was elite at the position. Um, you know, I'm not so sure Andrew Jones was the best center fielder when Beltron is in the conversation. When you compare, when you put everything together, both sides of the ball. You know, Bartolo Colon. I'll bring him up just because of the you know the you know he's this folk hero. You know, what Mets fans? Mo- most wins by a Latin American pitcher. And before his, you know, up to his Cy Young season in 05, you could maybe start to say he was headed for the Hall of Fame. He had a serious shoulder injury. You know, he had stem cell procedure. You know, he he got pinched for PEDS. Doesn't really get talked about now because I guess he looks like you and I playing beer league softball. Uh, Longevity helped him here. Not a Hall of Famer. A really good player. A really good story. Uh, Not a Hall of Famer. And bounced around with so many teams. I don't even know whose hat he put on in the Hall of Fame at that point. I mean, he went from, you know, high velocity, high walk to Greg Maddox later in his career. I mean, his command and control was pinpoint. I mean, he got people out just by location, and he was a master class late in his career, but not a Hall of Famer. Same thing with Andy Pettit. You know, if Andy Pettit and I and I, to a certain degree, I, I get a lot of grief about Derek Jeter. You know, Derek Jeter's Robert Yount if he played anywhere else but the Yankees, and that doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. Derek Jeter, but he's not lionized. Pettit, I think, gets more play because he had he had the good fortune of playing on a Yankees team that was always in the postseason. We all know Game Five of the '96 World Series. He outdueled John Smoltz. That's what won the World Series. For the Yankees. The Yankees lose that series if not for that Pettit performance. I, I believe that. Doesn't necessarily get a good thing for steroids like others, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's probably because he was contrite and because he was a Yankee. Let's put it that way. Uh, the Philadelphia trio, Abreu, Utley, and Rollins. It's funny. Utley gets the most support, and he was the best player on those Phillies teams that won a championship that gave the Mets fits in the turn of the century between 07 and you know 08 and 06 and everything. Um, but Abreu, to me, is the best of the three. And Abreu has the best case. I mean, Rollins, outside of the MVP season, was a below-league-average hitter. Uh, he was a nice player. He was a leader. But he was not a Hall of Famer. He was a very good all-star player. Uh, very good all-star player, but not a not a Hall of Famer. Utley was more of a Hall of Famer than uh, than Rollins. And Abreu, he was an on-base machine. You know, in his prime years, 25 to 30, before he started to hit the north of thirty and get into his late prime, he had a 937 OPS, a 415 uh, uh, on-base percentage. Uh, I think he was overrated defensively. He was afraid of the wall out there in right field. I know he won a Gold Glove. Uh, he's probably somebody that deserves more more votes and more support. And a lot of ways should be right up there with Andrew Jones, but he's not. I think the Veterans Committee might re-examine him one day. You know, he's a guy that maybe gets in way down the road, uh, right year, right Veterans Committee. Uh, I say no, but there's that, now, you already know what I know about Jimmy Rollins. I, I just really good 07, good leadership, big part of those Phillies teams. Just not enough, not enough of a of a of a overall uh, production for me to make it to Hall of Fame. Now, what's interesting is that Omar Vizquel is pretty much Ozzy Smith without the backflips. Eleven Gold Gloves to Ozzy Smith's thirteen. I know the whole off the field issues. Not going to get into that. He denies it. Uh, it probably would have knocked him out, even if he had the iconic moment like Ozzy, or he had the 13 gold gloves, or, you know, was in the MVP conversation more. Uh, It's interesting. 123 hits separates him from 3,000 hits. He gets 3,000 hits. I think it's hard to keep him out. If he doesn't have the off the field issues, maybe he gets more support. I still would have said, even if the off the field issues and the accusations didn't exist, I still wouldn't vote for him. But he's a lot closer than you think. And it's funny. You know, Matt Holiday, I think he got like one vote. Now, he's not a Hall of Famer. But I mean, same deal as Helton, you know, no Gold Gloves. But you know, in a lot of ways, like Larry Walker went to St. Louis and had some really, really good numbers. I mean, he was a guy that I thought the Mets should have signed instead of Jason Bay. They went the Jason Bay route. The rest is history. Maybe Holiday's career gets ruined playing in City Field. You know, not that St. Louis is 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 a hitter's ballpark, but City Field, especially at that point in 2010, that's the original spacious where you know it's Yellowstone. You got to be King Kong to hit the ball out of there. Um, he was outstanding in St. Louis. He should probably get a little more support, but he's not a Hall of Famer. So there's that. So I kind of went through all that. I don't know if any of the guys that I didn't get into, uh, you know, you want me to get into, maybe, you know, you could get me on Twitter or send me a note and I could maybe address it. Uh, not that I want to do more Hall of Fame shows. You get one, but you know, maybe we'll do some reaction if something crazy happens this week when they announce the ballot. Now go into the ballot. I'll just justify here. My. Picks. Because I don't want you to, uh, you know, I'm not just going to say the names. I'm going to give you some backup. Now, you're probably going to be angry because there's a lot of character and steroid issues on my ballot. But I told you there at the beginning, and I'll say it one more time. Character, I cannot put into the equation because that goes down a slippery slope. I am not the judge and juror. I'm not God. I'm not somebody who should be on this high horse. You know, benchmarks, period of dominance, precedent at times, historic moments. Complete player on both sides of the ball and traditional stats versus and and a mixture of advanced stats is where I like to be. So you know it, it is what how I feel. You know you want to criticize me for it? Go right ahead. That's what makes this fun. That's what makes this uh, a, a great show. So A Rod, he's a Hall of Famer. And the thing about A Rod, I wonder if he had just stayed at shortstop and didn't want to chase the all-time home run record and go to New York and play in the shadow of Jeter, and play in the pinstripes. If he had stayed as that 40 home run, 40 stolen base, gold glove defensive shortstop. I mean, the A-Rod in Seattle, the player that the Mets wanted to sign, the player that got that record-setting contract after 2000, that's the best—I could argue that's the best player of all time. Just look at his numbers. Just look at his numbers. I mean, the Seattle A-Rod is an incredibly good player. I mean, he had speed, he had power, he got on base— he, he stole a few bases. He was a gold-glover, a gold-glove shortstop. You know, he didn't win until he got to Texas, but he was up there. And, yeah, he was way better than Derek Jeter. You know, I mean, he, he was 40-40 in 40, 98. I think he dialed back on his stolen bases as he got, you know, a little older. Like I said, you know, you want to preserve yourself and, and hit at a, at a high level. Uh, You know, a lot of times that requires dialing back on the stolen bases. They take a lot out of you. Think about what I said about Reyes earlier. So, you know, that to me, that's the A-Rod. That's the Hall of Famer. He's still a Hall of Famer. You know, I know what happened with the steroids and the lawsuit against baseball. And, you know, during my days on Champions Radio, we talked a lot about A-Rod when he was getting on WFAN with Frances and yelling about the commissioner. Now he's an analyst. And, you know, I hated A-Rod. I was one of the anti-Arod haters back when I first came on the air, but as the league really conspired against him on, you know, more and more, when he started to call people out, and I said, you know, this guy—he's a jerk, he's a narcissist, he has bad judgment. But you know what? That's not reasons to keep him off the ballot. And I don't believe steroids was the reason why he's good. I think it helped him stay on the field. I think that's the biggest thing, and I know that that is a factor into the total numbers. But I think if he, after 2000, if he either re with the Mariners, stays at shortstop, or goes to the Mets, I wonder if things end up the way they did. You'll never know. But an ultimate what-if for the Mets and for A-Rod. Gary Sheffield, the guy who hit his 500th home run as a member of the Mets, and, and almost was a Met in his prime. I mean, so many times when the Padres were looking to trade him and the Marlins were having a fire sale, there was talk about the Mets getting involved in it. And, uh, you know, at one point there were rumors after 1999 or 2000, they were going to trade Alfonso for him. Uh, We know he had no position. Uh, I know I I said you have to be elite on both sides of the ball, but you can't ignore the offensive production. 500-plus home runs, more walks than strikeouts, top 30 all-time run producer. From 96 to 05, he had an OPS plus of 154, over 300 home runs, batting average over 300, a 969 OPS. Do you really think some cream that he put on did that he's just below the threshold he probably won't make it the veterans committee will probably shun him it'll be an injustice it'll be a long time that sheffield uh uh gets in or if ever and that's really crazy because i'll tell you what and this goes to another guy manny ramirez you can't vote for one without voting for the other so if you voted for sheffield and not for manny i mean you know maybe that goes back to the cream steroids versus getting pinched like manny but Manny Ramirez, for that generation, is the best right-handed hitter, hitting 335 against left-handed pitching. Similar OPS, high. I mean, better than Sheffield. Almost a thousand OPS for his career. Top 25 in RBIs. He's every bit the offensive player that a Frank Thomas or Miguel Cabrera, who will be in the Hall of Fame, is. He's right up there with Aaron and Greenberg and Willie Mays. He, He's a, he's a Hall of Famer and almost a Met and almost was a Met in 05. And they had Billboard, if you remember, in front of City... that uh, City Field, Chase Stadium at that point. Would have been interesting to see. Could you imagine if they had A-Rod and Manny and Piazza? I mean, ugh. Oh, I don't know if the Will Wilpons could have afforded that. So, uh, And then we get to, you know, the guy that I think, you know, not a Greek tragedy, but I think goes down as a really underappreciated Met. And he's being... uh I think held accountable for the sign stealing to a higher level than everybody else. He should have never quit as manager of the Mets. I still believe that, but you know what? The course of a lot of people's lives change. Buck Mendoza. Who knows what happens if Beltron stays on? And who knows? There's so much "what if." But here's a guy who's one of only six players that had four, over 400 home runs, over 300 stolen bases, 2,700 hits. He's got three Gold Gloves was an elite center fielder who was getting into his prime when he came to the Mets, his knees was starting to bark and you know, he had the uh, microfracture surgery. He had to move to the corners and he reinvented himself. He still was a really good hitter. Wasn't the defensive, uh, you know, player post 2010 post knees, but he still was really good. And he had, he wound up having good offensive numbers for the Cardinals and the Yankees. And 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 he, maybe at that point you could say the real core of his Hall of Fame run was like 03 04 to 08, but he still produced enough overall for me to say you should vote for him. I mean, I guess you could make an argument similar to Maurer that that run was was short if you really want to put a high high bar, but I think that's unfair. He gets criticized for the strikeout against Wainwright who probably will be a Hall of Famer. You know, I'm not going to talk about him today. That was a Hall of Fame curveball that he threw. We didn't know at that time, coming out of the bullpen, who Wainwright was, but that was a Hall of Fame curveball. Uh, it's only about 66% of the public vote so far, so he won't get in, but he's trending well, just like Andrew Jones. I think in the next couple of years, those two guys get in. And maybe, you know what? If you can't decide between the two, maybe it's right that, that both of them get in. And, uh, you know, will there be a Mets cap on Beltron when he gets elected? We'll see. So... Carlos Beltrán should be Hall of Famer. And to pinch him, look, steroids I get to a certain degree, but to pinch him for sign stealing, that's why you're going to keep him out. I mean, come on. That that existed. I mean, read Andy Martino's book. I mean, that went on for years in the early days of the game. I mean, think about the Giants when the pennant. That was the Giants were even in that position because they stole signs especially at home. I mean, crap still goes on with, you know, players. I mean, look at the Braves, they're always I think the Braves steal signs even with PitchCom and they're always trying to you know, look at location. I mean, come on, it's gamesmanship. Stop with that. You know, that's, that's, you know, uh, virtue signaling. And the only reason sign stealing went away, I hate to say it, is because the COVID season just, it was so crazy, the world at that point, that they just, it was, it was so shallow to even bring up outrage over the sign stealing when you have a, a world pandemic going on and a crazy season that almost didn't happen. So, uh, you know, there you go. Now, uh, here's the the final one. I mean, this is an easy one. is Adrian Beltre. Um... You know, he's a lock. You know, he's third amongst their baseball all time in war. I mean, I told you that that was who Wright was supposed to be. Five gold gloves, 477 homers. But the interesting part about Beltray is that his Hall of Fame career didn't develop till the age of 30. He got better with age. He had 227 homers, 872 OPS, a 130 OPS plus, three gold gloves, and a yearly MVP consideration after the age of 30. That never happens. So as up till about 2010, he was not a Hall of Famer. He was just like, right, we might not even may have, he might have went into the, you know, let's not even have a conversation bin if his career ended at that. He goes to Boston, Texas, all that stuff, and then all of a sudden he becomes this elite player that not a lot of people talked about, but he played a long time. And now he's, you know, a guy that you could argue should be a unanimous Hall of Fame choice. He won't be. And how many times has that happened? How many players? Let me know. MikeSulatTalkingMetsPodcast Podcast.com. No G become Hall of Famers after the age of thirty. I don't can't think of a, a, a guys like that. So that's the final thing. A Rod, Sheffield, Beltron, Ramirez, Beltray on the ballot. Notable guys I left off are uh, Wagner, Helton, and Maurer. Uh, who I also think, you know, two of those guys are going to get in this year. I think Wagner eventually gets in. I think that's going to be the downfall of the Hall of Very Good. I think it's I think that's where the Hall of, Hall of Fame starts to get watered down. I predict on Tuesday you will see Maurer, you will see Beltre, you will see Helton. Wagner will fall just short. Sheffield will fall short. and He'll be off the ballot, uh, and that'll be it for, for him. And then Andrew Jones and Beltran will be talked about as making progress, and then we'll see. And then, unfortunately, you know, we won't be talking about Wright Reyes and Bartolo Cologne in a Hall of Fame context after this year. And I think the next time we talk about Wright will be when they retire his number. Be interesting. He's now five years in, Strawberry and Doc this year. Uh, you know, maybe Wright next year. Maybe 2025 is the year of Wright getting his number retired at the rafters. And that will be an emotional ceremony. And then we could dive deeper. I mean, we had Anthony DeComo wrote a book about Wright on the show a couple of years ago and talked about his career um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, again, when you put Reyes in the equation, that era is so much bittersweet here with that era, the collapses, the heartbreaking, the season of love 06, the heartbreaking loss to the, the Cardinals. And then the drop-off as City Field opened the injuries to both of them with Reyes with his legs, right with his back and the beaning. Uh, and I think the Matt Cain beaning had a lot of impact on him. You know, he talked about that, you know, that hurt him a little bit too. You know, even before the back. So, you know, um, it, there's a lot of things that happen after 08. And then, of course, the the unfair criticism of Wright. A guy that went 30-30 with a gold glove in 07. The Mets collapsed because of lack of pitching depth and bad bullpen management and bad bullpen depth. And uh, he gets blamed. And you know what? Uh, you know, that's a whole other story. Like I said, that's a whole other story for another day. And that probably will be a big part of the conversation when one day we talk about Wright and his induction into the Mets Hall of You know, he's, you know, when his number gets put in the rafters. Because it'll get that number five will get put into the rafters. If it doesn't, that's a criminal it's criminal. I mean, Doc and Darrell deserve it, but Wright deserves it more. And I understand they're trying I think Wright I think they need some distance between his playing career and and I think they wanted him to do that five years at the Hall of Fame. And I think they wanted to guys like Hernandez and Doc and Straw, I think they wanted, and and Kuzman, I think they wanted to do the injustices that existed, Willie Mays, I think they wanted to take care of the injustices that were out there um, before they, you know, got to write, so we'll see, but anyway, uh, that's it, that's my Hall of Fame ballot, love to hear from you about it, Uh, another great show, you know, we'll be back with another edition next week, just to let you know the schedule, we're You know we're back on track every Sunday. I think we're going to be taking off Super Bowl Sunday. That's not for a couple of weeks, but that's right before pitchers and catchers. So I have to figure out how we're going to do that. Maybe we'll just do a show, um, you know, another day or during the week or right around. You know, maybe with a day that pitchers and catchers report, we'll do a show. We'll have to see. But um, you can uh, get more of this Hall of Fame talk and a breakdown of what I just highlighted over at this newsletter, Talking Mets beyond the mic, substack.com slash at no g. It's in the uh, the X profile, at talk no G. You can get it there. Go in, paid subscribers, you get the commercial-free edition of the show. You can dive in. It's a really long piece. You can dive into Wright and Reyes and those who I left off and those who I voted for. And throw your comments there, man. I mean, throw your comments to me there. I'm really curious to hear from you guys and your comments on that. Or if you don't want to be a subscriber and you'd rather listen to the show at Mike Silva at TalkingMets.com, at Mike Silva at TalkingMets.com, no G. So you know where to get me. All right, guys, thanks for another edition of the show. You can check me out all the time at the Mets podcast.com Like I say, you can get me on X, Mets no G. You can get me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, again, Mike Silva at com no G. The newsletter, substackcom slash at talking g There's so many ways to get to me, and of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network for hosting this show. I'm yours, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.